Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Payoff.com is a paying sponsor of this Comic Book Club podcast. You've tried balance transfers and budgeting, but high interest rates and unrelenting bill cycles make it almost impossible to get out of credit card debt on your own. Instead of another new savings technique, you need a clear path out of debt, and that's what Payoff Loan can do. A payoff loan is a personal loan backed by member-centric credit unions designed to help you pay off your credit cards. With rates as low as 5.99% APR and loan amounts up to $35,000 with no hidden fees and personal customer service support from Payoff to help you reach your financial goals. Some of the benefits of a Payoff loan may also include potential credit score boost, one monthly payment, and savings from lower interest rates. Go to payoff.com slash comic book club to learn more. Checking loan rates won't affect your credit score. Try something new. Pay off your credit card debt with Payoff. NMLS ID number 1396805. Not all applicants may qualify. Loans only available within the United States. Loan is not available in all states. Payoff works with lending partners who originate the loans. Additional terms, conditions, and eligibility requirements may apply. More information is available at payoff.com slash comic book club. Go. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin, coming to you from my weird factory. (laughs) I'm Pete. And we are live to the internet. We're live to two places right now. Three places, I guess, if you consider... Well, we're not live to the podcast necessarily. We're not dead either. You know, Ooh, I don't know. Alex, really about. feel it philosophical right now. I'm live in my home, so that's one place. <laughs> um, Pete, as always, is sitting right next to me because we live together. That's a secret. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And Alex is upstairs uh, <laughs> in the beautiful. In my bunk. I'm in my bunk and I'm hiding because you guys yeah. keep beating me up. We're the uh, Huey, we- Dewey, and Louie of the comic book <laughs> podcast. <laughs> And as we know, uh, if you are watching on video, we're pantsless, just like them. So uh, it traps. Right. It traps. And we do full body shots like all real performers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, I'm just going to stand up here. There. Whoa! Whoa. Wow, chick boys for life. Yeah, what? we're in a little chick boys for life yeah. t-shirt, Pete, just for you. Nice. Chick boys? Chick boys. What you got to do? What you gonna do when they come for you? 
when the Jerk plot boys. when the plot moves past you um guys uh how you guys doing memorial day weekend um what's the cocktail du jour Ooh, great question i am drinking a beer oh yeah. that's the sort of like mm-hmm. wheat and hops and like a bunch uh-huh. of stuff oh, cool yeah, man. i'm actually i will say uh this is one of my favorite beers it's a ballast point sculpin ipa sculpin. grapefruit it's so good. Very intense Very IPA. Strong choice. I, uh, I, you know, what I realized is Salvin posts that shit on Twitter. I thought he was being original on our show, but no, no, he's not. Uh, Wait, what are, you, what are you referring to specifically? There's on like Twitter or Facebook or something. You're always taking a picture of your beer before our show. So it's like I always thought it was something original <laughs> for our show, but it's yeah, not. Alex, so what's with this craft beer movement? I feel like that was <laughs> our thing. And now yeah. all of a sudden it's like everywhere. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Pete. I'm sorry I led you down the path that made you believe that I invented beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Pete, Alex, what are you was, drinking? Alex was a monk in like 13th century Belgium. Though. Yes, I will uh, mention. Well, before you get into it, uh, we do a Riverdale podcast, and Pete got high on Mountain Dew and vodka and wrote a Riverdale poem, which was excellent. Uh, actually, it's a spoken it's word. Uh, you know, it wasn't really a poem; it was more of a spoken so. Uh, word. Sure. I'm excited to hear what sure. you're uh, drinking tonight. What's going on? Oh, I'm drinking the uh, Pink Hulk, as I like to call it. It is uh, vodka. It is a triple X uh, vitamin water and Gatorade. Disgusting, dude. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with it? <laughs> Holy shit. No wonder, man. No wonder. Yeah, by the end of this, Pete, you're just going to be uh, popping the pipe off of the sink and sucking directly on yeah. it. <laughs> uh, every sip you take, though, some of the gray in your beard goes away. I think it's Ooh, aging. That's nice. Um, I'm in honor of our guest uh, today. I'm drinking the official uh, drink of his new comic, The Nailbiter Returns. There's a recipe for this drink in the comic itself, and I made it. And it, wow. it looks like a mustache. How is it? I, I mean, we'll it's talk about good. it more when we bring him into the stream, but good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's like a Bloody Mary um, with pickle juice, which is which is great. Awesome. A couple of quick things while we get ready to bring our amazing guests into the stream here. And I'm going to just hit this little invite button. If you're over on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up there. Uh, We see you folks over there. Danny, Ali, Bandito740, everybody else who's watching. Thank you so much. Uh, Over on Crowdcast, ask us a question. And here's our guest, Joshua Williamson. How how are you doing? Yeah, we're good. You can hear us. We can hear you. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Uh, so I don't it's know if you heard this part, but part, uh, Justin, uh, Justin is drinking. I the- saw. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, it's totally a Bloody Mary. <laughs> when a, when a, you can tell a comic um, has its shit together when they have a cocktail drink on the title page. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, that's because Mike and I, whenever we would meet, um, to live closer to each other than than we do now but whenever we would meet up we would meet up at a bar to talk out the book and they totally have this like list of all the drinks and stuff and i was like we should make that the title page (laughs) yeah there's a reason it opens in a there's an opening sequence with the eyes but then the sequence after that is in a bar because every time we would meet up was always in this bar to like figure out you know the plan for what we were going to do and stuff so yeah yeah. great plans happen at bars it's true. Yeah, that's there's definitely true. been all kinds of stuff on on uh, on cocktail napkins and stuff like that. But yeah, 
Uh, well, cool. You are ostensibly here to talk about Nailbiter Returns, as we mentioned. That's finally mm-hmm. coming back to Image Comics on whatever the Wednesday is, 6263. I'm forgetting dates right now, Third, but it's not tomorrow Wednesday. It's next week Wednesday. Yeah. yeah and this fair. was one of our favorite books on the show. So I'm yep. very excited that it's back. Uh, the short pitch is there's a town where a bunch of serial killers all spontaneously seemed to be there for no particular reason. But of course there's a mystery behind it. Uh, Everything. uh, There was a huge climax at the end as bloody as you'd imagine. So what brought you guys back to it now? Why did you literally return to Nailbiter? We always knew we were going to, there was always sort of this like plan of like, you know, how the big story was going to go, you know, and like how we were going to lay everything out. And it was when, even the day that the last issue came out, Mike and I went and got lunch that day. And already we were like, Oh, we know all the stuff we're going to do. Like we already knew the whole plan and stuff. I mean, there was, you know, there were certain things we left on the table on purpose, you know, um, if people are going through and you read the whole thing, you can see we didn't answer like everything and that was on purpose. So we can pick them up and this, and then, you know, further down the line, but you know, we kind of missed it. You know, we missed this world. We missed telling stories like this, There's a certain vibe to it. You know, there's a certain way of doing that book that we don't really do with anything else. And Mike and I, at that point, I worked with each other for, man, I don't even know how many years it was. Cause I think he and I started talking about working with each other in like 2011 Mm. And the last issue of Nailbiter came out. So we did a couple of things there. We did like Ninja Turtles, did Master Mobster, did some like nice. little stuff at Marvel. And then we did, you know, Nailbiter. And that ended in what was that, like March of 2017? So you're talking about like working with somebody for six years. And Mike, you know, as much as Mike is great with Nailbiter and he likes doing horror, that dude wants to draw Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. You know, he wants to go do superheroes and, you know, I was always having them draw people standing around in warehouses, or <laughs> you know, like, yeah, come on, can I put a dragon back? Let me put one dragon in the background. You make it work with the story. <laughs> Let me tell you anything weird happens in that book. That's partially because I was like, I have to give Mike something to do or he's going to kill me. Right? Like there's, <laughs> there's one issue. It's later in, I think it's like 16 or 17 where Warren might be 18 where Warren is like lying about where he was. He tells this whole elaborate story about how he went to hell and fought demons. We have this like splash page of him with a big sword, like Conan style. There's demons yeah, everywhere. Yeah. That was just for Mike. So Mike would have to draw. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, so every time something like that would come up, you know, that's even why, like, that's where the whole thing came with the giant temple and all that stuff. It was just like giving Mike yeah. something else to draw. And that became part of the story. And it, it, you know, lended to the weirdness of the book. Cause we're always trying to be like, what's the, what's the, what the fuck moment, you know, yeah. like, what's the thing we can make you. And we're always trying to like one up each other. And then, we're always trying to gross each other out, right? But uh, so with that, Mike was kind of getting antsy. I was getting antsy. I was getting busy with DC. He was getting a lot of offers. And we were like, well, we're at this point where the story does technically end. Like the huge part of it, like the big part of it here will end. And there's like two or three other mysteries. We can save those for later. So that's how we ended it. But we kept talking about those mysteries and getting back to it and trying to figure some stuff out, trying to figure out things thematically we could do differently. And I remember, um, so I have a young daughter and, you know, when you have a young kid, like, you give them baths and stuff, and you don't want to get them uh, soap in their eyes, right? It's like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you guys experienced that. You got soap in I your literally eyes. just was giving a double child bath 10 minutes ago before we started. It's, it was a nightmare. It was a true. You, you sir, are amazing to do That's that. why I s- strong drink choice. Yeah. <laughs> this is on the title page of my bath time as well. Yes, dude. Yes. Yeah. So, 
uh, you start thinking about those things. And I was like, oh, man, we should do a lot of stuff with messing with people's uh, with eyes. Oh, and also, I my mother-in-law, you can't even talk about putting contacts in. She'll All freak right. out. So I was like, oh, we got to do stuff with people's eyes. And then we started getting this whole thing about, and this is in the first issue, about, like, you know, people say that whole thing about, like, the eyes of the window to your soul and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what does that even mean? And we started like getting into that. And then you yeah. know, Mike and I started just like talking about more and more ways. It's crazy. There's some stuff like what Mike's drawing in issue seven. That was all stuff we had talked about, you know, four or five years ago. That we're finally getting around to. And, you know, so yeah, man, we just, we missed it. We missed it. We had more stuff we wanted to do. And I think Mike was able to go do some Marvel stuff for the last three years. And I obviously was doing a lot of stuff at DC so then we came back around like let's just do you know the book again for a little bit and see how many more crazy stories we can tell and if we decide to wrap up and take another break that might happen and then come back around with another chapter but uh yeah man we just missed that world dude it's fun telling scary stories yeah you know? uh, uh, it feels that way reading the issue uh it feels like you guys are just coming back like getting back into a warm bath uh it's a popular <laughs> metaphor um and it feels like a, there's an excitement there right from the get-go. And also, the, there's so much more, like, murder interest in the world. Like, in the times, even mm. since the book, like, uh, just murder podcasts are, like, such a thing. And it, that's it, why you I feel have that. Them, yeah, that's why I have them talk about that. Yeah. Like, that's why those, those women at the beginning, they all talk about that, about how they're obsessed about it. And I was thinking about that with cereal and all that stuff. I mean, even when we were coming out, we had already been pretty pretty deep into it. We had already done a lot of issues. And and uh, uh, True Detective started coming out. Like we hadn't, it started coming out before we were released. But we had already done a lot of work on the book by then. It just hadn't been released yet. And you could feel the energy was there. I think it was good yeah. timing. That there was serial, you know. Um, there was Jinx. I don't know if you guys ever watched that on HBO. Oh, yeah. The Jinx. Yeah, that's an awesome one. Yeah, um, I love that one. Uh, I mean, the ending. Stuff. Oh, you can't beat the ending with the Jinx. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Uh, that's definitely a moment where you're like sitting there watching it and that happens. You're like, this, this, this can't fuck. Yeah, exactly. Especially because <laughs> like, so many other documentaries end with like, sort of like, Oh, it's unsolved oh. or whatever. And that one ended with the ultimate, just like, Oh, we got this, Yeah, dude. we got him. We got him. That's like, dude, I love that one so much. Um, yeah, that's always disappointing. I, I, I don't like that one. Um, when I'm watching a documentary, sometimes if I'm getting into a documentary, like I'm really getting into it, like a mini or something like that, I will stop. I will look up, have they solved this? Because <laughs> it's like, it's super disappointing when you get to the ending and they're like, and we still don't know. Yeah. Like, ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, nah, man, give me something. Give me even anything. a little bit. Even if yeah, it's anything. a lie, sort of a lie. Even if it's just a little conspiracy <laughs> theory thing, I just need yeah. a little bit to to go to bed on when it comes. Yeah, I just exactly. to, uh, this is a oh. wind of change. This podcast about, um, did the uh, CIA write this, um, song by the, the Scorpions raid made called mm-hmm. wind of change back in the eighties. And, uh, it is such a great story. And then a build up, And then it, I wanted the end. I wanted the end. Oh, they don't give it to you. I well, they, that they give you an ending, but it's just like, they don't, they, I don't want to spoil too much, but they don't yeah, really give you it's definitely a rough, but yeah. So, I mean, with all that, we can talk about crime documentaries all night long. <laughs> yeah. so one time, one time I was uh, getting ready for bed. I was already in bed and it was one of those like true crime documentaries, right? Like just one of them. I, I can't remember what it was like forensic files or something. Right. And, uh, cause there was a time where I was obsessed with all of those shows. And so I started, uh, watching it, but then I was like, uh, I- I'm falling asleep. I'm like passing out during it. 
And, but I was interested in it. I was curious about it. I was like, oh, I'm curious what this case is and what's going on with it. And then I fell asleep and then I couldn't remember the name of the episode. And I could never figure out what the episode was, which I could never figure out if they solved it in the end. And then you go through the guide and for whatever reason, like the guy didn't have the episode titles next to it. So I couldn't like just Google it. It took forever. And it was one of those things where it was like, it drove me crazy. So now I'm like, if I get hooked on one, I'm like, I have to, I have to finish this. I have to solve this now. I must, I must know what's going to happen. But uh, with nail biter stuff, you know, yeah, we did a lot of research for that stuff too. Just thinking about that. And we, you know, we have an ending in mind for like the overall thing. Like that's part of it too. Like, even though the first volume ended with a couple of things, sort of ambiguous on purpose uh we know the answers at least and so we keep on teasing things out and, and moving forward with stuff i don't think i think that when we're finally done with the whole story there'll be no um nothing will be ambiguous i think everything will be answered maybe <laughs> what is it like i mean given that given doing the research given for those who don't know the book I, the main character or the title character at least nailbiter is a serial killer who chews off his victim's nails. So that kind of gives you a sense of the darkness we're dealing with the book. What's it like living in that as a writer? Oh, well, I mean, you know, I, I chew my nails like a crazy person. <laughs> so, and you, you kill know, people regularly, right? Yeah, like a crazy person. No, but I, you know, all my life I've been told not to chew my nails, you know? So it's sort of like already this thing of like, even in childhood, I remember it, you know, I remember one time I was at San Diego Comic-Con dude. And I'm like, I was walking out of the DC booth. I was pretty young. I think this happened when I was like, I say pretty young, but I probably was like 19, you know, I was at the San Diego Comic-Con booth. And you know how that, that thing used to be like this huge monolith thing. And I was walking across it and this dude, random stranger. So I'll show my nail. Random stranger came up and ripped my hand out of my mouth. Oh. I was always running, like, walked up and oh was like, God. don't show your nail. The whole thing. And I was like, fuck you. And like Whoa. back and forth and stuff. And then he just like walked away. And I remember being like, like people are crazy about it as well, right? So, but uh, I was on a panel once at Image Panel, and we started. We were talking about Nailbiter. I think it had just been. Um, I think we were on year two. Yeah, so we've been about a year into it, and we were talking about it. And I realized uh, Scott Snyder, who was sitting next to me, he also chews his nails. And then Jamie McKelvey was sitting next to him, and he was like, "I also chew my nails." Uh, but yeah, like I think um, being in that headspace can be a little weird with him. I mean, he's just it's interesting with Warren if you want to really get into Warren stuff. Cause it's like, we try to make him be really charismatic on purpose, but he's still a bad person, right? Like he's still a serial killer, you know, and we try to get in that head. So it's really fascinating. My, a lot of these conversations, my wife actually, um, she went to school, uh, she went to college and she, uh, agrees in criminal behavior and criminal psychology and criminal justice. Whoa. And so she knows her shit. Like she, she knows <laughs> it really well. And so she's read it and she's very like, you guys did a good job. Like, Wow. Because you like him. Like, you want to like Warren, mm. even though you know this dude murders people. And it's all like how Ted Bundy was. People found Ted Bundy to be very charismatic and charming and stuff. And so a lot of times in my head, I just try to write him like that. I think being authentic, though, it's funny. Like, Mike and I talk about this extensively, where, like, there are times where we will make him do things really messed up or say something really messed up on purpose. Because we're hoping mm. that somebody then will be like, oh, he's a, he's a serial killer. I shouldn't like this person. And then they still like him afterwards. So, yeah, I don't know. Being in the head of that, it does go dark at times. You try to find the fun of it. You're trying to find the wackiness of it. Um, you know, you, you think about... Um, actually, so one of the things I found most helpful uh, in writing Nailbiter 
was not only reading books about serial killers, reading interviews and, and getting into stuff and, and was actually listening to or reading interviews with actors who have played serial killers oh. because they really had to get into the head of someone to be, to become them. Right. Yeah. So like a really good one uh, was Jack Nicholson. Like Jack Nicholson has all kinds of insight into the craziness of things. Right. And him listening to him talk about playing the Joker and where the Joker is coming from and what his thoughts were in playing the Joker. That stuff was really interesting and, and really helpful when it came to writing Warren. It was like getting into that mindset of like what those people are like. And uh, yeah, so all that stuff has kind of helped with getting into Warren's head. Um, yeah, man, it does get dark at times. and But there's also some fun there. I don't know. Just having this person who doesn't really care about what they're saying or what they're doing, there's a kind of freedom there. I think that's why you look at a lot of these like amazing actors and sometimes they play the most horrible human beings and they play them really well because i think there's a freedom there's a freedom there to it and there's also a freedom i think to writing those kinds of characters i mean on that note in terms of the fun like without without spoiling anything about the first issue mm-hmm. it is a ton of fun it's such a clear concept particularly at the end and gives it such a good reason for coming back as a title, but skirting those spoilers, skirting that idea. What, how did you think of it? Did you think of it as like a horror sequel? Were there touch points for you in terms of movies, TV shows, anything like that? What were you thinking about? Well, I think, you know, that like all horror movies, I should say all horror, not all horror. Actually, some of the best horror movies were kind of like genre mashups, but then the sequels were always um, action movies. Mm-hmm. Right? right like i was watching terminator the other night and that first movie is it's a they, they call it a thriller but that first movie is a horror movie yeah. like it has all these tropes the way it's filmed the way it's shot everything about it is like this horror movie i'm not sure if you guys ever saw the movie the guest oh yeah um, yeah the guest it's funny watching terminator like now having not watched it in a few years but i see the similarities between that movie and something like like how is the terminator not just michael myers or jason like there, there's so many similarities of like they just keep coming they're somehow faster they keep showing up yeah. right like there's so many he's just a robot but it's like there's so many similarities between them and, and then the guest i think has similar things to it um but yeah like Terminator 2 t2 is like super an action movie it's not a horror movie anymore yeah. it's an action movie and you look at aliens um so we talked about that a lot we were like well do we put way more action into this? Like, do we look at it from that perspective as well? And in the first issue, there isn't that much, but you'll see once we get further in issue three is, is mostly action. And then issue four, uh, I'll get in a little bit of spoilers to you guys. Issue four is they're in a safe house and they're getting attacked. Like they're straight up like invaded with, uh, serial killers with, um, giant machine guns shooting at them. So there's a lot <laughs> more action kind of going on in this one, especially in the first few issues. Then it becomes, then once you get past issue five and then issue six, it gets back into the groove of being a horror thing. But yeah, we talked a lot about sequels and looking at sequels and what worked. And and I think, you know, obviously Scream 2 outlined out the rules of of sequels. And so I looked at that. I love the I love all the um all the Scream movies. Three is interesting because three is like the weird one because all the Hollywood stuff. But then at the same time, that one is it has the most hints of something supernatural happening and is also the most like bloody horror. One of them, you know, I, I was watching that with my wife. And I remember thinking like, 
oh, one is this way, two has its issues, and then three is kind of like, ah, whatever, because it's the Hollywood one. It's not the scary one or anything. Yeah. And her and I are watching it, and she's like, what are you talking about? Like, this one <laughs> obviously has, like, all this kind of horror stuff going on. You're like, oh, yeah, the Hollywood plot's stupid, but the rest of the stuff is really interesting. Um, but, yeah, huh. we, we looked at a lot of that stuff, dude. We went deep into looking at sequels, and I wanted to make sure, though, that this felt like something you could – you could easily read this one having not read the first 30 issues. We, we paid a lot of attention to that. And I think that's one thing when you look at um, aliens and alien, you look at Terminator two and Terminator, you don't have to, have, you don't have to have seen Terminator or alien know what's going on. I I'm positive. I saw aliens before I saw alien. Me, me too. too. I would argue yeah. that most people are like, Oh, you got to watch T2. You got to watch aliens. And far fewer people are like, watch the first ones. Cause those I'm are the ones yeah. that were like, I'm always like, watch Alien Resurrection. Watch T3, Rise <laughs> yeah. of the Machine. That's where you start. You're Dude, a real believer. Uh, I will, I will, we'll get into that for a second. Like, I, <laughs> my, uh, my wife was sitting there the other night where she was, like, I, she was like, I saw T2 first, and that to me is a Terminator movie. She saw Terminator 1 later, and she was like, oh, I think this is kind of, kind of boring in comparison. And it's like, I think, but right now, um, you know, we have, so we have my daughter. We have a baby here who's only five months old. So, like, my schedule is all over the place. So, yeah. Uh, trying to find any time to watch television or just have like, you know, 15, 20 minute break at the end of the night uh, is, is definitely a struggle. So what I did was I was like, I'm trying to pick something I can just put on at night that I don't feel like a uh, dark or a, a commitment to. Right. So it's not like I can watch Rick and Morty where I want to pay attention, you know, yeah. or I'm going to watch something like a full movie. Right. There's tons of movies that I want to watch, but I'm like, I don't want to watch some like 15, 10 minute increments, you know, it's, it sucks. So I was like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch every single Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the beginning, <laughs> from the beginning of his career. I'm going to watch all of them. Oh, man, that's, oh, dude. that's intense, dude. So I'm, I'm, I've been doing it. I've been doing it. And I just got through. Uh, so I got past Conan and Terminator and Commando. And then I watched Rob Deal this weekend. Man, Rob Deal is not a good movie. Uh, <laughs> you're about to hit. You're, you're going to hit the comedies soon, dude. That's I know. Gonna be, so that's that's going to be tough. So raw deal is not funny at all. There's no sense of humor into it. Like at least commando, you're like, yeah, commando is commando. It's like a lot of fun and action and, and there's stuff blowing up everywhere. And then occasionally they'll just have like something really weird happen. And there's all like, these crazy one liners also written by Jeff Loeb, which I forgot until I was watching it. Oh, that's uh, right. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm sitting there and see, so yeah, I watch raw deal tonight is predator. So I'm gonna start watching predators. So probably last, like, two or three days. Right. That's fun. You're right. I'm getting to the comedies, but the thing that scares me is not the comedies. Like I can deal with Kindergarten Cop. I can. I actually like Kindergarten Cop. I think it's yeah, good. Nah. I can deal with Twins. I haven't seen Junior since twins. it came out. Right. I can deal yeah. with all these movies. I'm more worried about T3 and beyond. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. T3. I've never seen. I've never seen any of the new ones. So uh, Salvation, Genesis, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. that one that's called right now is. I Dark Fate. Yes, People say I that one's seen. good. I haven't seen that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I heard that was good too. I haven't seen any of them. I haven't seen. Um, I haven't seen Collateral. I haven't seen Aftermath. I've watched Expendables one. I watched part of two. Well, you, and get you get it. You get it. You get it. Yeah, yeah. I can watch some of this stuff, but I haven't watched a lot of these other ones, like The Last Stand and all those oh, things. Yeah. So I'm a little more worried about the end of this journey. Because I'm yeah. going to be honest, Predator. it's been. It's been difficult having hearing you list all the movies. I can't even imagine. Yeah. 
but I, I'm in the zone right now of like I'm gonna, the, the next few are what Predator, um, Runaway Man, Total Recall. Like I'm in the good right now. It's gonna be yeah, good for are, a while. These are all fun. I love Running Man. I love Total Recall. <laughs> Actually, let me ask you this: So we're we're all here. Uh, do you think Total Recall is he dreaming? Is wow. it all <laughs> coming out with the wow? Big Great question. Yeah. Is he in Recall? Because you get once once you like think about he he has to be. He has to. Yeah. Be. I think it's it's more fun to think that he is. I think yeah, so. That's to, what I choose to believe. He literally that's my says, religion. This is what I want. Like, it'd be one thing. Like, he literally says, "This is what I want," and I want the woman to look like this. And they nail her look based on a dream he had. And they literally tell you exactly what the movie is going to be, and then the movie happens. I don't know. Like, I think if you stick something that far up your nose, you would wake mm-hmm. up. I don't care where you are or what's going on. That's fucking way too weird not to wake up from that. I have a photo of you, Pete, that will prove that wrong. <laughs> it's all in his head, man. It's all in his head. I don't know. I'll, 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 uh, I'll reevaluate when I watch it this time. Anyway, yeah, we got to interview again and just talk about that. Yeah, just total. We'll have you on next week to talk about Total Recall. Yeah, the yeah. Total uh, Recall Recall. You do have a lot of other things going on, though. Nailbiter Returns yeah. is great. Definitely pick that up. I know Justin uh, would kill us if we did not talk about Birthright, though. Which Huge is Birthright oh. fan. Uh, I've talked about uh, this book what, on this podcast so much. Uh, it, I, every time I'm like, well, uh, yes. You're caught up? Do you want to know a spoiler for the next issue? What, what, what came out? 43 came out this week or last week, I think. I mean, if you want to say it in front of people, yeah. Oh, no. I just want to say something cool that's coming up. So, I like, love 43 uh, is the one I think was last week. I totally forgot to tweet about it. I'm not realizing. It might have been this week. Uh, but 44, the entire issue is all splash pages. Oh, uh, splash pages. oh so, yeah. There's That's like awesome. one two page spread in it, but there's all splash pages, and there's like a trick in how we do it. But uh, it looks beautiful. Like Andre is killing it. It looks amazing. It's, yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, one of my favorite been talking books. About this comic forever, and it's hilarious because he has to always recap it and bring it up to speed. And <laughs> to recap that comic every time is really fun to listen to. Uh, I but think the man, premise the premise is so good, so I always try to re-explain the premise when I'm like, yeah. next mm-hmm. week, pick up the next issue of Birthright. So it's about this kid, and then walk through the whole thing, because uh, the premise is such a like hook. Thanks, man. I love that book. I love writing. Yeah. I feel like we've been a little bit on fire lately. Like We were kind of like, you know, uh, we were off uh, schedule with a little bit. It was my fault. Uh, <laughs> we're off schedule, but it's one of those things where I want to make sure, I don't like give an artist like, here's five pages, here's one page. I like to give them the whole script, but I also, also want to make sure it all works and so for a minute there i was kind of like floundering with it but in terms of getting it going but then once we got to the end of 39 we got into 40 and we knew that they were going to go to the war and we were doing that two page that that one like six page spread and all this stuff we were doing once we got into that it was like it became so to write again and now we're in that zone too with 46 through 50 it's just really easy to write, but dude, I love writing that book. And it, Andre is crazy because like whatever I challenge him with, he will always like defeat it. Whatever crazy uh, thing, like he gets more detailed. I feel like on the the bigger stuff, he's like, "Well, I'll make this even harder on myself." Yes, like he won't he won't go easy on any of it. Like when you see forty four and it's all splash pages, it's it's bonkers. And then uh, forty five has some pretty crazy stuff. Even deeper into that, it's just like I don't know. It's it's. It's nutty because you're just like, oh, this person is going to draw what I asked them to. And he's like, my teammate. <laughs> he knows it's coming too, right? That's a whole other thing. Like, yeah. there's no surprise. He doesn't get, like, when the six, when the six page um, spread came, 
like we told him about that him and i talked about it at dinner in new york like i don't know like three or four years ago i was like okay eventually one day there's gonna be this thing and he's like i think i can do that (laughs) bonkers thing that he took like a month on uh yeah like he definitely makes you want to be like what is other crazy big thing i can have him like draw in this you know he always wants that stuff did you see the issue with the werewolves that was a few weeks ago or a few issues ago yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah so the werewolves that was because andre is obsessed with werewolves (laughs) so i promised him i'm like dude i will i I promise you all werewolves in this book i love how you're always just you're throwing your writer your uh, artist a bone you're just like, well, they want werewolves, so I'll make it happen. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to sit there and spend that much time drawing a page, I mean, it's funny because, like, for me, what, what is it, right? Like, for me, it's, like, splash page. Like, how long it takes, like, splash page type, you know, werewolves. <laughs> Here you go. Right? And then the person wow. spends a day or two staring at that one line trying to, like, make that into a comic. So if it's that easy, I should 100% be like, what do you guys want to draw? So that's what I do with all the artists I work with. I'm just like, what do you want to draw? Like, what do you, what's a cool thing? What do you want to draw? What do you not want to draw? And it was, it's interesting. Some have different takes. So some will say, I don't want to draw this. And the person is like, oh, I love drawing that. I definitely want to draw that. So it's good to find out what that stuff is. And then, yeah, why not give it to them? If I can find a place for werewolves yeah. and birthright, I will. What's crazy is that actually became, uh, it, you'll see eventually that werewolf thing becomes important later. It like actually influenced <laughs> the story. And then it solved a story problem for much later for like issue 48 and 49. It solved a, a story problem there that I was like, oh man, this is all coming together. <laughs> is that, I mean, leaning into what the artists like and how the artists work, yeah. was that part of the reason that Birthright as a story expanded in scope so exponentially? Or was that already always part of the plan? Because you, you mean to do like 50 issues of it? No, no, no. I mean, more in terms of like, like Justin was talking about, it's such a snappy concept at the beginning. And clearly mm-hmm. it's big fantasy and there's big action happening at the beginning. But spoilers, if you're not caught up to anybody who's listening to this or watching, Watching this, but by this point of the run, Earth is basically destroyed by giant monsters. And there's various warring factions and wizards fighting, and all these huge things happening. Um, I guess talk about that. Like, is that yeah, the sort of thing? Mean, it did like, start off, yeah. When you read the book in the beginning, it's like you know, it's a story about a family, and then it's a dude interrogation room. Like that's yeah, the majority that's, of issue one. You know, it was yeah. a dude interrogation room, and then it gets bigger and bigger to the point where yeah, it's a it's a a six page spread of, of soldiers. There's in, in that spread, there's dragons fighting airplanes, you know, like there's all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. This huge battle. And like, yeah, I mean, Andre definitely pushed it to where it was like, Oh, the stuff I think we can do, we can do. Like it was always intended to get bigger and bigger and bigger, but you never know too. You never know. Like something might not be successful and you're just like, Oh no, I'm going to wrap this up in 10 issues or 20 <laughs> issues or whatever. But right. the fact that we knew, I don't, I don't remember when it was. I think we were around issue 20. We knew we were going to go all the way to 50. Uh, me and Sean McAvoy, who's the editor on it. It's crazy. One thing I would say with this is weird is like my advice to people usually when they're breaking into comics or make comics is like never pitch a 50 issue like thing, you know, <laughs> never go and be like, Oh, never go to your editor and say, I have an idea for this 50 issue story. Like never do that. You know, like, especially if you haven't worked with them much, but with Skybound, I was doing posted. We had talked about other stuff. And Mackowitz and I were at WonderCon walking around, you know, bullshit with each other. And we were at the Midtown booth at, at WonderCon. And we're like leaning up against these like big red racks that Midtown has, right? When they go to the conventions. 
And we're just like bullshit about comics. And he's like, what do you want to do? And I was like talking about different projects that were going on at the time. And we had been talking about nail bar. Like he knew nail bar was something I was going to do or I wanted to do. And, um, Osid hadn't started coming out yet, but he was like, what else do you want to do? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I have this one thing, but like, nobody wants to hear about this. I was like, nobody wants to do this book. <laughs> it's like this 50 issue thing. I don't know. I was like, honestly, I don't even have a title for it yet. I kind of have a title. I don't really have a pitch for it. Like it isn't, it's, it's, as you know, it's not as easy. It's snappy, but it isn't. Like, no, no, it's it hard to say a, it all. Yeah. It's not snakes on a plane. You know what I mean? Like no. you can't, <laughs> you can't just say it really quickly. So I was like, I was like, well, it's this whole thing. And I was like, all right. So I told him the whole thing. I was like, here's what I want to do with it. Here's my, here's my pitch. This is kind of the thing. And then this is what happens. And then like two weeks later, I got a call from him and he's like, we want to do it. We want to do all of it. Ah, like, what do you want to wow. do? And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, ah. He's like, I need you to send me the pitch. I was like, I have a one pager I can send to you. Let me. Wow. You reverse, you reverse elevator pitched him. <laughs> yeah. Just, that's what happens. I think once you get to a certain point in your career and you're like, able to be in these these conversations versus you going to a meeting you don't even there's like three people there you don't you've never met them before in their life and you can already feel the vibe of like they don't care about you they have no time for you and like yeah. one person there never speaks the entire time right right if you need to go uh, in you have to like bet. make this this pitch uh you need to be poppy and snappy and confident and kind of like bouncy in those conversations if you don't you're you're out um this was not that this was just you you know me and a guy like like bullshitting about comics and i'm like well here's what i'm thinking this is what and this happened a couple times this other book i wanted to do that one time him and i were having breakfast and i was like oh, i just think i'm kind of figuring it out like i kind of know it and he's like what is it and then i pitched it to him he was like uh you don't kind of know it you just pitched the whole like first six issues <laughs> like how is that i kind of know it and i was like well i guess i know it i just i'm not like there yet with it i can't start writing it tomorrow but with this, we actually went to Disneyland for um, a story meeting. So back, I think we were on like, man, I don't even know. So this is this was November of 2015. So we were a year into the book. Um, you know, yeah, we were like a year ish in, you know, like, and uh, we were already been working on stuff. So that means we were probably close to plotting closer to what was going to be issue 20, right? Like we knew. I think I'd probably written at least issue 15 by then, maybe 16. But we knew what was going on, but he didn't know the ending. He didn't know the whole second half. And so we had this conversation about, like, well, what is the second half? Like, what is the whole thing? And I was like, well, instead of me just, like, going to the office, let's go someplace. And he's like, all right, let's go to Disneyland. So we went to Disneyland, and we just talked the story while we were waiting in line for uh, rides. Way to take about advantage. That. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the thing about we also – that was when I also got the call that I was going to do the Haunted Mansion comic. I was waiting in line for Space Mountain. And they called me and they were like, oh, you want to do Haunted Mansion? I was like, sure, all right. Uh, and then we went to – well, that was also like a dream come true. I've been trying to get that Haunted Mansion job for years. It like never came. I have friends that work at Disney, so I was always on them about it, about doing Haunted Mansion. And they it never came together. And then uh, somebody from Marvel saw a picture of my office. You can't tell on this point of view, but there's like Haunted Mansion stuff in here. Uh, um, and they saw a picture of my office and they're like, oh, Josh likes Haunted Mansion. And then he heard they were doing a Haunted Mansion comedy. They finally, like, Marvel was finally going to do it. And so they told Axel at the time and somebody else, like, oh, we should just have Josh do it and see what Disney says. And then they went to Disney and were like, we're thinking about Josh Williamson. Disney was like, you're also thinking about 
Josh. Ooh, ah, so like, that was the wow. only time that ever happened. It was never like, oh. Well, so they were, you, here you had also done haunted condo, haunted apartment, haunted duplex. <laughs> yeah. So you were still sort of building up to I was already there. Yeah, yeah, I was already there. Like, I had already done the groundwork for that job. So, you know, it was that destined to be mine. But they, um, yeah, so he and I were in line for Haunted Mansion, and I was like, all right, I'm going to tell you beat for beat the ending of this story. Like, the last huh. 10 issues. And I told him, like, boom, 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 even to the last issue, even to the last, like, five pages, page turns, like, this wow. happens, this happens, this happens. And I laid it out for him. He was like, yeah, we could do all that. We yeah. could do all and that. And everybody else was like, we're trying to ride the ride. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just, like, talking uh, about that. I got to figure out a way of putting Haunted Mansion in the last issue now, I realize. I got to make a note of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. sitting note right. here. <laughs> just write that down. What part of the well, uh, I, I figured out a thing for issue 49 last night right before bed, and my computer was off, and I was like, I don't want to restart it. So I grabbed a post note, and I wrote it down real quick. It's right here, so it's going to go with the other yeah. one. Post is the original computers. Uh, (laughs) Oh, we got a request. I don't want to pimp you out, Justin, but we do have a request here in the comments from Eduardo Martinez. Uh, We should have Justin do a fast voice recap of the book. I assume he meets Birthright and have Joshua evaluate it. Yeah. Okay. Let me, I've done this for many, many weeks. Um, uh, Many, many months, that is. Uh, So uh, the book Birthright, it's about this kid who's on a camping trip with his family, gets dragged into a um, fantasy world, and turns out he's the one. He's the true warrior. He rises up. He defeats the villain. Or does he? He ends up becoming an agent of the villain back to Earth, and he's back with his family, his Jack Barbarian dude, and they miss him, and he needs to reevaluate everything. That's true. (laughs) Justin, let me ask you this. All right. So if you had to cast Mikey in a movie, Barbarian Mikey, is there I mean, Jason Momoa. I know, everyone says Jason Momoa. I feel like that's it's so funny. I like Jason Momoa, too. I'm just curious if, like, he's the right fit. I'm always, like, looking for that, like... It's like when you watch Cabin in the Woods, nobody but the people at Marvel were like, that dude is Thor, right? Because they saw Cabin in the Woods. That's what made them decide yeah. he was going to be Thor, right? So I'm, I'm always looking for that. Who's that person? I think... I think Jason Momoa just looks like him. Um, if I had to pick someone, and this is, uh, I like, 90s Val Kilmer is what I imagine uh, oh, as yeah. him. Like yeah. Mad, Margin, Mad Mardigan from yeah, Mad Willow. Mardigan. Yeah, yeah. I think um, he is. But what about, like, Zach Braff, but he works out a bunch? <laughs> Why not one of us if we work? Why, if yeah, we're working out. Yeah, if we were working out, let's order it. Yeah, I think it could work. Uh, before we let you go, though, we should probably talk about Flash a little bit because you're yeah, finishing up. Yeah, we can talk up. about Flash. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. All right. Thanks, Josh. Uh, about you're finishing up. Well, not finishing up. There's still a little while to go, but you're f- starting to finish up a epic run on the Flash. Huge, long run. You're in the middle of the Paradox storyline. New issue came out today, so I think we could probably talk about that one. But yeah, we can talk about whatever. We, I announced you the finish have, line a couple weeks ago. But yeah. yeah, you have this Paradox storyline, and then there's two more storylines after that. Mm-hmm. What's it been like planning this whole thing out? What's it been like trying to, and, and I think successfully, putting your stamp on The Flash as a title? I mean, it's super weird. I, obviously, it's a weird thing because I've I've loved the Flash since I was a little kid, and I was thinking this earlier today to be like, it's such an interesting thing. It's the same thing with Birthright. It's the same thing with Nailbiter. It's such a weird thing where you want something really bad, you fight for it, you push for it, and you you know you have ups and downs, and then to be at the end of it, it's just strange thing to look back at. Because like with Nailbiter, with you know Nailbiter was rejected by multiple publishers, 
And it was something I wanted to do. I felt really strong. I just knew, I knew it. And that was part of why, like sometimes there were publishers, they wanted to make changes to it that I didn't feel comfortable with, or I didn't like, or they didn't want Mike to draw it, which I was like, no, that's, that's a, you know, that's a non-starter. Like, of course, Mike's drawing it. So things like that, that when I was able to look back at it and be like, man, I was, I was right. Like with Nailbiter, like I feel very <laughs> proud of that book, you know, and Taylor Birthright. Birthright got rejected twice and um, before Skybound. And to now look at it and be like 50 issues in and we have like all this stuff for it. And I was actually showing this to somebody earlier today. Riley Rossmo and I were talking on the phone earlier and I on um, video earlier. And I was showing him. All right, I'm going to show you guys something here. I'm going to show you a couple things real quick. Yes. Talking about this. So, all right. So this is like a regular size trade. So it's like the ghosted size trade, right? Yeah. And then here's the... Here's the nail biter hardcover, so you can see how big this is, right? You yeah, get a good, well, get a good size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the foreign editions for Birthright. Wow, um, that's wow. Massive. Like wow. you see how huge that is. That thing is a massive. monster. This is a huge hardcover. Anyway, but to, like that's the thing. Like you know, to look at something like this, yeah. this huge hardcover, and be like, man, people did not want to do this book, and, and here we are. It's doing like an it. encyclopedia weight to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's oh, an dude, essence. It's, it's really big. For a long time, I had no place to put it. I was like, I don't know what shelf is going to fit this. Got to rebuild um, the shelves. Yeah, I had to get new shelves. Uh, but so with Flash, it's the same thing. It's like I remember vividly five years ago talking to Scott Snyder, and he was like, you should come back. You should come back. And I, I was like, no, 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 I don't want to. And you know, The only thing I'm interested in are these things and this kind of stuff. And being like, well, I really want to write Flash. And he was like, you should, you should tell him that. You want to write Flash. And I remember being like, they're never going to get and but then being obsessed with it after that like losing sleep over it just being like i really really want to write the flash and then thinking about the ideas and the story and the stuff i wanted to do with barry and 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 working with the different members of the flash family and not even knowing then what was going to happen with rebirth and that wally was going to come back and all that stuff and and trying to find my own ways of bringing back some of the cast and trying to get some of the stuff i loved about the mythology back and then to now be at the other end of that is just bonkers, dude. And like, I remember being in a room mapping stuff out. Like, I just told this story to somebody else a couple weeks ago, but there's a, a picture I have on my phone from November, October, I think, of 2000. It was October of 2016. So Rebirth had just started. We were already talking all this stuff about these big plans. And we had a summit uh, in New York with a bunch of writers. And like, Jim Lee was there and Bob Harris was there. And we started mapping out on the whiteboard all of these plans, like all the stuff we were going to do that early. So you got like metal was on there. Doomsday clocks on there. Um, wow. The bat wedding is on there. Like all these different things awesome. like that really in, you know? So, and up on the wall, there's a, there, it says, it says Legion of zoom up there. And I remember thinking about that and being like, this is how far back we've been planning some of this stuff out. And, and, trying to figure these things what we wanted to do and things got moved around and obviously things changed here and there uh but planning this stuff out and being able to um be a part of the universe like i don't know if other books did this as much as i did where it's like everything that's happening in the dc universe i reflect it in some way like leviathan destroying argus is in the book we reflect metal we reflect things we're going to justice league things are happening batman whatever, like whatever was going on i always tried to be like somehow reflective yeah. of it in some form or another but that also caused me to have to like you know change plans things around um but now to get to these last two stories because like uh the paradox stuff with flash age it's kind of a long arc it's almost like eight issues long total 
But then when you get to Legion of Zoom, which is only two issues long, um, which is really a prelude to, to Finish Line, and Finish Line is only four issues, that's really because I was able to put over the, all these issues, I was able to put all the pieces on the table that I needed to where I could finally tell that those last two big stories, because all the pieces are already there. I mean, issue yeah. 761 is like one giant fight scene. There's only like emotional stuff in it, but it's like a lot of, it's a huge fight scene. That way I can do a lot more emotional stuff in 762 and kind of put a bow on everything. But yeah, man, it was a lot of planning, dude. A lot of talking to people, a lot of going down to uh, Burbank and being in there with whiteboards <laughs> and being like, well, I'm going to do this and this and this. And then we would have like these arches, you know, and be like, all right, this is going to happen here. This emotional arc is going to come over here. This is going to be like this. And then them being like, bring oh, it right here. I'm moving it this way. Well, I have two whiteboards in here. I have one right here and then one further back. Um, one is for issues. One is for long-term planning and has like bigger stuff on it. Uh, but yeah, man. That's so crazy. That's what's so crazy about the Flash in general is it always feels like the Back to the Future movies where like you're you keep revisiting these same moments and like there's a new perspective and it's a Flash seeing a Flash or Zoom. Yeah, that's on purpose. Yeah, no, and it's I just think it's it's such a hard needle to thread. I feel like to be like, okay, here's how I'm going to inject my version of the Flash or the story I want to tell into Mm -hmm. this hyper calculated like Jenga of a story. Oh, dude, and you have fun. to like very there's, carefully pull your piece out. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff in there that's nutty, dude. Like, there's stuff where we had that trickster arc, and that trickster arc didn't happen until issue 66, but we started planting seeds for that in the 20s. Like, there's little right. things in there. Like, the first time we mentioned yeah. Paradox, he was mentioned at all, like, even in a passing thing, was back when the annual came out. And that annual came out in January of 2018, so that's two years ago. Like that we had someone kind of mention him and then issue 50, he was there or mentioned that you saw him in the shadows and stuff, but it's like, it is pretty bonkers that that's how the book has been, that it's like all this stuff. And even if you go back and look at flash issue nine, there's a moment in there where he's basically like, you can see Thawne kind of run past him in the background and say something to him. And that's getting paid off right now. Like we're connecting back to that now. So you're talking about, you know, 91 issues later, we'll That's come back to that moment. And in that, there's a moment where we have like a vision of the future where we sewed all these different visuals. And those are all things that we paid off, which I still can't believe we paid off on all of them. There was a part of me, there was like two in there. I was like, That's never going to happen. And then we were able to pay off on them. Uh, there's this thing in comics, I don't know who said it best, but I, or who said this, but you kick the football down the field a little bit. Like sometimes yeah. you create a story, you can kick the football down the field and then somebody else catches it later. And that's where football came from, that quote. That's where football came from, because right. somebody in comics came up with this phrase, yeah. Uh, I've always wondered where the kicking part came with football. <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, you know, yeah, like, just being able to pay off all these big storylines that we've been building this entire time, dude, it's pretty, it's it's bonkers, dude. Like, I don't even know, and a lot of it's in my head. Like, there's yeah. documents for this stuff, but a lot of it, like, the details of it, Cause it's funny. I'll turn in a script or I'll turn in a document. That's like, you know, you're talking about these documents are not that long. I'm not as, I don't write as much as some other people do. Like I love James Tynan to death, but that guy, he's so funny. If he, uh, <laughs> if he has to write the document when we're doing all these planning sessions, one thing I, I'm, I'm really happy when he writes documents because they're very detailed and they're great, but they're like 10, 20 pages long sometimes. No, you're like, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> all right. So I'll end up writing minor, like two or three pages long. Um, <laughs> So I'll give these stuff to the editors and they'll start asking questions. And I'll be like, oh, actually, and I'll have all these answers, this big elaborate tapestry of story. Um, but it's all up in here. Like, 
I kind of sure the editors almost, love that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, because they have all these <laughs> questions they want to call me and ask me versus uh, yeah. But then no one wants to read anything either. That's a whole other thing. They want to read a ten page, twenty page document, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, man. Like it's a lot of planning, a lot of crazy stuff. Well, uh, for those who haven't read today's issue, again, a little bit of a spoiler here, sure. but there's a new villain called Paradox who uh, is initially trying to wipe out Barry Allen's timeline, going to various points and essentially eating the time, I guess is the simple way of putting it. Uh, and then he figures out a twist, which I won't spoil or anything like that. But based on the stuff you're saying and kind of touching on something that Justin said, it almost feels like paradox as a villain is your way of recognize, uh, dealing with the convoluted timeline of the flash in a certain way. Yes. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no, for sure. That's part of it is the convolutedness of it. And then also some of the criticisms about him, because it's like, you know, Barry, uh, by messing with the timeline, the way he did during flashpoint, it causes so many problems that DC is still dealing with this day. Like the characters dealing with <laughs> yeah. this day. And it's not resolved. Like there's a lot of stuff that just isn't resolved. And like, we're getting there on some of it, but there's going to be bits and pieces that just aren't quite there yet. You know, like not there. And I need a character kind of, smack him around a little bit because of it, you know, and, and that's sort of what paradox represents as those things. And, and yeah, yeah, definitely trying to represent those ideas of how convoluted it all is and that he could take advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, I got a question here over on yeah. YouTube, actually from the scorch main, uh, will Hunter return? Not in my run. Okay. Uh, that's kind of a spoiler. I mean, he's definitely <laughs> relevant and there's stuff with him. There's connections to him that come around. But I didn't want to mess with Hunter too much unless Wally is around. And so that's a complicated question because I'm not done writing Wally either. So it's, you'll see. Give me like a month. <laughs> Give me like a month without getting into spoilers and get tired about some of that stuff. But uh, yeah, they, um, yeah, not no Hunter anymore within these issues. Uh, here's another question actually from uh, YouTube. This might be another spoiler, but from Hellblazer on Twitter, he showed an artwork with inertia in it for finish line. Last time we saw him, he got killed by the rogues. We get a quick explanation of how he comes back. Yes. I just wrote that today. So yes. right. uh, I was writing, I was, I was writing inertia stuff. I mean, I'm pretty much almost done. I basically have to write some dialogue for, uh, I call them by the original numbering. So 99, I had to write some dialogue for 99 and then I have to write, uh, a thousand, uh, 101, but 101 is pretty much written. I've already done all the legwork for it. It would take me very little time, and then I'll be then I'm then I'm done with that, you know, story. Uh, but yeah, I just wrote. I uh, was writing inertia dialogue today, and I was rereading um, that book. Actually, it's right here. This is the book where he died, the Final Crisis story. So I was rereading uh, it today just so I made sure I got it right um, and the stuff with him and and even little dialogue ticks that he has. But uh, yeah, we'll definitely explain why he's in the story. It's a tricky I thing. Mean, it's not. It may not be what people expect. But go ahead. Uh, oh well, I was going to say is I love that you have everything in arm's reach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, dude. Right. Well, this is because this is the way my office is set up. Like, there's more going this way. But if it's something I'm doing research on, like my book, like Image is here, Marvel is here, DC covers like going around this way, and then there's more stuff <laughs> over there. But, um, yeah, a lot of books, if I'm in the middle of it, so there's a shelf. So I'm like up here, I have a bunch of flash books higher up that are like, uh, pretty much all the flash books, but then I have duplicates right behind me here, like within mm. right here for things I always look at. So it's like that. I, I think that, that rogue's revenge is probably one of the best rogue stories. 
And so anytime I'm writing the rogues or writing Hunter um, or writing Lisa Inertia, that one is a good one to kind of go back to and look at and kind of like get back in the heads of those characters. But then I also have like Shafts and um, Marks and a few others that are back here that I can kind of just reference. So Flash stuff's always right here. And then like Batman Superman stuff is down here. But yeah, like that's part of why it's just within reach. So I can literally turn around yeah. and look at the cool. Not, gotta have do, the octopus arms. Are you able yeah. to reach out to DC and just be like, Hey, listen, I need to do some research. So can you send me these comics? And, you know, <laughs> yes, I can 100% do that. And I that have done it many awesome. times. <laughs> that's well, how Pete say, became a DC. I definitely writer. take advantage of, yeah. of the stuff I can do. I, I get toys and, um, yeah. and uh comics and stuff like with the pdf i just ask i mean there was one time i had to ask for a pdf of an issue of eclipso that was from like the late 80s and they were able to, to find it for me wow. um those ones are interesting because sometimes they're like the scans of the comic themselves yeah because the they're time, all like crooked <laughs> yeah. yeah like at the time they didn't always have they weren't scanning everything in all the files in the same way so sometimes you might find stuff where it's like this is the file i asked them for showcase 100 once and they sent it to me and it was uh the black and white inks and letters that oh, had wow. been colored, but it was the original files of the wow. lettered ink pages. Wow. Then had the color one. I mean, I have a copy of 100 here, but I it was one of those things where it was like in storage, and I'm like, well, I, I, just give it to me. I you guys give it to me, me right? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, now I would just use the unlimited account, like the unlimited. Yeah. I'm sorry, the DC Universe account if I need anything, because the more majority of it's on there. If I just need something real quick to kind of like read a quick issue of flash or something just to get something right. Um, it's pretty easy to get into, but yeah, dude, right. Doing the flash stuff for years has been, or five really, when you think about my obsession <laughs> of writing it, uh, hmm. has been a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it is pretty crazy stuff that we're coming up with with paradox and everything. It's going to be a, a wild ride. I think going into the ending, there's a lot of crazy stuff happens. I mean, you can see we posted, I'm not sure I saw this, but we posted like a, um, a teaser promo of what was coming. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it has inertia on there, has Max Mercury, and has just quick and a bunch of different villains. And uh, yeah, just it's gonna be a lot of crazy stuff coming in the book. Well, and on the other end of the spectrum, it's fed directly into the TV show, which has been kind of a crazy experience to witness. And I have to imagine a crazier experience for you. (laughs) Yeah, well, the first thing you know, there was like little stuff. I remember years ago, they had um, my name as a street, and I was getting like, (laughs) yeah. Like I'm yeah. street in Central City, you know. <laughs> yeah. And they actually, so I, you know, I live in Portland, and they actually, whenever they do the um, the shots of the city itself, that's Portland. Like at the very oh, beginning, oh, when he runs across the bridge, I know what bridge that is. It's here in Portland, and I know where the the where they put Star Labs. Obviously, it's not a real Star Labs here in Portland uh, that I know of. But you know, well, that yeah, big exactly. building. I'm canceling you know, my trip. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that building that's out there. But yeah, so. When Godspeed was coming up, I think Godspeed was the first like character that, that I knew they were going to use. And I got a text from somebody and they had taken a picture or that I, I'm probably should be talking about this, but they, they basically had a picture of the costume and they were like, they showed it to me. And I was like, cool cosplay, you know, like, sure. <laughs> I've seen Steve Orlando one time, saw this amazing cosplay near comic con, texted me a photo of it. And I was like, cool, it looks good. And he's like, no, 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 I don't think you understand. <laughs> like, this, this is, is gonna be the show. This is the, the cosplay. <laughs> this is the costume, which I was surprised because it looked it looked like the costume, you know. And and then uh, there was a couple other ones. I remember when they told me 
they told me Bloodwork was coming, and I was really surprised by that. Bloodwork was a weird one because that was a character I created to be a Flash villain when I was like in elementary school. Because um, <laughs> even then, I was like obsessed with it, and I was like, "Oh, there's this character named Bloodwork." I did a drawing of him, everything, and then, you know, um, we were able to get him the book for like four issues. It was a short arc, um, and uh, like Neil Gouge and Carmen, mostly Neil Gouge, but Carmen and Christian Duce, like they all kind of put time into working on him. I think even Jim Lee came in and added a couple things to the design uh, before Neil Gouge actually drew it. But we had basically talked all this stuff out. So he was kind of this villain that was on the side. And I was like, cool, this villain that I created when I was a kid is in the book. Like I did it. Like, and that's where I thought I would end. Yeah. I thought that was it. Yeah. And then uh, I got this message from them saying like, oh, he's going to be on the show. And I thought it'd be like monster of the week. But no, then he ended yeah. up being the villain for the first eight episodes of the season. Like he was the big guy <laughs> for the first half. So I was shocked by that. And there's all, so that this season in particular, there's been a lot of stuff that they've used this season. Um, but that was never my goal. Like my goal yeah. wasn't really to get stuff on the show. Uh, I thought that there's so many flash villains that they would not run out. But I mean, now what are they in? Like season six or something? Yeah, season yeah, six. Yeah, season six. Yeah, season six. Right. So it's like, yeah, they're eventually running out of films. <laughs> um, <laughs> So if I can provide a few, which I'm glad I, I did provide a few. It is weird. I'm done now. That, that's one thing that's weird about being done now is that, like, if I had an idea for a Flash villain, like, well, too bad. <laughs> no, they're going to give and you that I, late that late of the night call. It's going to be like, hello, Josh. We need, um, <laughs> we're on the TV set. We need a couple of villains right now. Right now. Hurry up. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, uh, that's what I gotta do. That was the way it was weird. I, I, the covers for the book we finished, I don't know how many months ago it was now, maybe two months ago, three months ago, we finished the covers for the book, at least my, like my issues of it. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things you get in this system where you're always like, and because it's a double ship book, you know, every, every month we have to come up with ideas and story and, and submit, like, here are our ideas for cover ideas. And I've basically been doing that for like four and a half years every month here are cover ideas. And now we don't do it. And there is a weirdness to be like, cause I haven't got to that point where like the last pages come in, you yeah. know, like Howard hasn't drawn the last pages of issue 101 yet. 762. He hasn't drawn them. Um, and there's other stuff too, but there, I haven't got to that point where like the last bits of art have come in. Like I haven't hit print, you know what I mean? I haven't sent the last notes off or anything, Yeah. but knowing that all the covers were done, I was like, Oh man, this is weird. Like yeah. no more. Like that's it. It's, it's senior a year. Weird. You Yeah. <laughs> I definitely had some senioritis back in like February, I think. I definitely had a little bit of, well, because I had already written the paradox stuff. And so it was those last six issues. I think I wrote one of them pretty quickly and the rest kind of went slow. Now I'm back into where it's quick again, but well, now I'm at the end. Like, yeah, after, after the day, I only have one more issue to write. So I definitely had some senioritis back then, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's been a great adventure. I'm really thankful for it, but I also feel like I'm just getting started still in some ways. I right. some so many more stories I want to tell. I just finished this huge thing that I think I'm really privileged to be able to do. You know, I don't think many people get to do a story this big in comics to be able to say, yeah. oh, I have this really crazy big idea that's going to be like it, it many, many, many issues. I want to try it. <laughs> and yeah, it's pretty bonkers. Yeah, awesome. Right. Definitely looking forward to the end of that. Uh, before we let you go, just to run through everything we need to plug. So, new issue of The yeah. Flash out today. Nailbiter returns out next week from Image Comics. Birthright is ongoing. Anything else you want to plug? Anything else people should check out? Uh, I also write uh, Batman and Superman and mm -hmm. uh, work on that. And then we're doing a lot of cool stuff with Death Metal. I think if you're a Flash fan, you should definitely check out some of the cool stuff that's going on Death Metal. Um, 
yeah, man. Nailbiter. Yeah, definitely check out Nailbiter. Buy those yeah. trades if you're interested. You know, issue one will be out next week, but you can still pick up that first trade. I think it's still nine ninety nine. So, you know, yeah, grab mm-hmm. some Nailbiter, grab some Birthright. And, yeah. Make the cocktail. Live long. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Josh, right, thank on. you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Great to talk to you, man. Yeah. Right, congrats. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, wow. Joshua Williamson, everybody. And you did finish that cocktail. How are you feeling now, Justin? I feel great. When I had to speak quickly about birthright, I was like, oh, shit. I'm a little drunk. <laughs> uh, finishing the pickle. Love it. That pickle uh, hold me down. <laughs> Excellent. All right, folks. Uh, normally at this point of the show, we do a stack where we talk about some comics that come out this week. But... We're going to do instead a huge stack podcast that's going to come out tomorrow, Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. We're going to talk about pretty much every comic that's coming out, probably vary it up a little bit going forward from here. Uh, but for the moment, as comics are coming back, we want to review everything for you guys. We're going to have an extra long stack yeah, podcast coming out it's tomorrow. It's too big. For stack it's stuff. a big stack. Super stock. So that'll be coming out later. And instead, we're going to move to my favorite section, oh, which boy. is audience questions. Audience for that, we're going to go questions. to you guys. Let's see it. Let's hear it. All right. Here's what we're going to do for audience questions. So if you are over on YouTube, just drop us a question in the comments. If you're here on Crowdcast, see a bunch of you already done it. Drop a question and ask a question. And, and Pete, if you have a question, you can just say it out loud into your microphone. Oh, yeah, or right. do that weird thing you do where you like kind of worm up your finger a little bit. So yeah, worm it, worm it up. Uh, why don't we start with the uh, someone hit us up on Slack. Why don't we do that one first <laughs> before I forget? Oh, great. Okay, go for it, Pete. Read it up. Uh, so someone on Slack had asked, um, someone, someone, someone. don't specify what name or anything. Oh man. Do you want me to go? I told, I, I tagged. You know, I'll you look guys. up the name. You, do you want me to look up the question? I know what the question is. It's who's your favorite doctor in comics. And I yeah. don't feel any obligation to say Dr. Zeldin because that's a bullshit doctor for oh, sure. Wow. I'll uh, tell you what, I didn't even think of that, but now that's my answer. This yeah. question is from uh, Beercat PhD, who I believe is earning her PhD right now. Um, it's yeah, she tonight. Be here. Yeah. And the question is um, about, yes, Pete has it correct, your favorite comic book doctor. Bonus points if it's a psychologist. Ooh. Uh, so I'm going to have to go with the classic beast is my favorite doctor. Um, nice. you know, I love a smart, hairy dude who uh, lives upside down. You know what I mean? That's you. <laughs> Do you, that's, uh, whenever I go on ZocDoc, that's the search terms that I put in so that mm-hmm. I can yeah. uh, find my perfect dermatologist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want a skin doctor who really lives upside down, you know, really see into the crevices <laughs> of yeah. my body. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go for the bonus points uh, and go with the psychologist and go with Doc Sampson. Um, uh, that's a doctor who doesn't seem like um, he's good at it. And mm. it seems more concerned with being jacked. <laughs> nice. Uh, I, since we've been doing, we're doing a star girl podcast. I, reread the first volume of JSA so that I could kind of like prep for the podcast. And I was like, well, now I got to read literally the rest of this run of JSA. So I've been really enjoying Dr. Midnight as a character. Great character. Uh, Just like a legitimate actual surgeon in the middle of a comic book, which normally it's like, I'm a doctor in the way that like, 
I don't know. I say smart stuff sometimes. I could do literally anything all the time. But he is just very focused on I do surgery on people. That is what I do. And, and I only do great. it in total darkness. Yeah. Like well, he's blind. He's blind. What was that? Yeah. There was like a it was like a creepy doctor that was in like X Force or something. They did that like uh oh god, what the hell was his name? The what you're talking about when they all had knives? Yeah, yeah, the all knives X Factor, and he like Doctor Nemesis. Well, yeah, what's that? Doctor Nemesis. Yeah, isn't that who yeah. that is? Yeah. Hmm. Is he a doctor or is he just called Doctor Nemesis? Is he a doctor it, in the same way Doctor Doom is like? I don't know what's going on there. Oh fuck you, Doctor Doom is a doctor. <laughs> why are you? Why are you repping him? What is he? He's a, a podiatrist. What do you think is his expertise? Uh, excuse me. He's a very well educated individual, Doctor Doom. Okay. Mm. What is he a doctor of? Uh, I I don't know. I'm not his mom. Your nose and throat? Great. Let's move over to a question here on Crowdcast from Pete's Punisher Slippers. Regarding the improvisational nature of Comic Book Club, I notice Pete will often replace a helpful yes ad with a belligerent fuck you to similar <laughs> comedic effect. Pete, as the Pitts Ensemble Master of the Year for 2007, can you explain... <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> when is the right time to go with fuck you instead of yes and apologies if this question is making Pete belligerent right now this is the uh, biggest call out I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I love well, this question uh, if, if I may uh, uh, I as an improv teacher like to tell the students you have to learn all the rules before you can know when to break them and there are times, uh, you know, the easiest way to get two people on the same page is agreement. Mm. Uh, but since our, the goal of our podcast is not uh, support and, you know, that's, what I mean, that's like not improv is that's not true. what we're doing. That, that could easily be uh, the well, goal. What we're of our trying podcast. to do is a little different from an improv scene. So I like to kind of throw wrenches around and have some fun. <laughs> yes. And uh, as much as you guys like to push, you know, my giant red mm-hmm. buttons, I like to fuck with you. What are you well. talking about? I'm only supporting you. I'm only yes anding you. That's not uh, true. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> but did yeah, this work? explains did the it last 14 years. <laughs> yeah. Pete, did I do it right when I said fuck you there? You did. You did do do it right. Yeah. Yeah. I get yeah. I hope to You're, be Pete's ensemble, ensemble man the of the year 2020. <laughs> <laughs> uh amazing question. I'm gonna go over here to uh YouTube. We got a bunch over there. Uh Bandito 740 says Yes, I just please. want to ask, was that really the 2000, whatever, 2007? Was that really in there? Yeah. yeah I, I, I read I that word think... for word. Is that true? Were you 2007 Ensemble Master? You, uh, yeah, your Ensemble Baco. Member of the Year. Zelvin, you should know. You gave me that fucking award. <laughs> what? You handed it to me on stage. Alex, Is that true? I've never yeah, been given Your an award signature you. is on my fucking plaque. It goes, Ali, you... you Fucking Katie. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I have no memory of that whatsoever. Wow. <laughs> wow. I now, believe now it happened. The, but that's the, man, that's, that's now, that is now the biggest burn I've ever seen. We get back-to-back <laughs> replacements. I love that it's in your bio, and you're like, what is this? 
Uh, (laughs) member of the year oh my god that's amazing uh sorry pete uh i'll give you 2020 or something like that uh questions back to the bandito 740 question on the cbc twitter it asked if you guys started a podcast covering an older comic book show what should it be any ideas yet cough the cape cough uh, I'll say we have been furiously emailing about that. This came up on the live show last week, uh, particularly yes. with TV being pretty much dead at this point. Uh, there's an opportunity. I, I look at it as an opportunity to go back and look at an old show. Uh, so we have been bouncing around ideas. I don't think we've settled on anything yet, but I think we're going to do something, right? We Captain Bucky O'Hare, let's do it. Come on. I don't, I don't know if that's the idea we're going to go with, but that's one of the ideas. Uh, <laughs> uh, that yes, and that is one of the ideas. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Bucky O'Hare, of course, the cartoon that Pete and I watched as children, and somehow both remember. And that's yeah. all there is to really say. I like it. to think of it as you and me were both uh, at the same time. You know, kind of like sitting there with a giant bowl of cereal, watching Captain Bucky O'Hare, like we were uh, long lost <laughs> friends. Uh, that we future friends. I'm not into cereal too much, but I get you. <laughs> Seriously, you didn't eat cereal as a kid. I don't love. I don't love we had like we would wake to- up and make oatmeal. What the fuck? Eggs. We would have some eggs, or just go right <laughs> to lunch. Um, I'm a big because we didn't have sugar cereal, so we were eating like grape nuts, mm-hmm. French toast, big pancakes. Uh, we got a question here from First Hand Up Guy. When and why did comics make the shift from the panel grid to loose floating panels? And why did the gutters go from white to black? Uh, for the gutters, oh. white to black, I think I think you're reading things digitally on dark mode, would be my guess there, <laughs> because there's still white gutters on comic books. But yes, not all of them, but yeah. But I honestly don't know the answer to that. Like, I don't know when the first person that broke the panel grid was. I'm not sure when that was. But it's certainly like, it feels like 90s probably things broke things up a lot more. Yeah, but before that even, I don't remember reading a comic that I ever bought in time, in a current comic that had a nine panel grid. It had to be way before that. Yeah. I don't know. Pete, do you know you're the historian here? Well, I mean, when you look at fables, you know, they famously kind of uh, uh, (laughs) made some fun with the edges of the paneling and kind of did stuff like that. Um, But, you know, there was there's always been kind of like an artistic expression to comics. But sure, they tried for a while to kind of do a cookie cutter thing, but then they got more creative. Uh, I'm not sure when it first happened or who the first person to kind of put their stamp on that was, but uh. Uh, first hand up guy in the comments here on Crowdcast says in like 2000, everyone switched to black gutters. So it seems like you knew the answer to the question of that, or just testing us. Nat Towson, who's fucking trolling us here with his questions and sending us like little tests. Why? Oh, you said why? I, well, if I mean to, if I had to guess why, I mean, that's, uh, it makes the the comic more moody and darker and sort of more yeah. immersive, I think. I think the white panels feel uh, it keeps it as art on the page when the darker yep. panel uh, <laughs> has so, you lean in. To, to kind of get into that a little bit, it's also like when Apple designed like its phone and iPads and stuff like that, they found 
uh, like a white iPad, it gives it more of a framing or a black outline. They felt like what was the image was more drawing you in. And when you had kind of like a white outline, it kept things at a distance. So you yeah, didn't really that, feel that, that's immersed into uh, the subject matter. So they kind of took out the white to kind of submerse you into the comic book world. And they found that that was more... Um, it was better artistically to kind of uh, get people into the comics. Pete was the 2007 um, genius member of the genius <laughs> of the year. So in your face. Uh, we got a question here on YouTube. This is a Stargirl spoiler. If you haven't seen the second episode, put on some ear buffs now. Uh, but this is uh, from The Big. Hey, in the second episode of Stargirl, the open house high school scene, when Courtney was going through the crowd looking for Brainwave, we see Crusher, the gym guy. This is a big spoiler. We haven't talked about this in the podcast yet. Uh, Sportsmaster and his wife. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to skip this stuff. Uh, talking about what a great athlete their daughter is, who is also standing there. So, did we just get a cameo from Teen Titans Artemis? Hmm. Uh, that maybe. Maybe I, that's cool. Uh, that's a sharp thing right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like. Again, I've seen the first five episodes, so like I'm going to skirt spoilers here, but I think they've been pretty open about there's lots of legacy characters from the JSA who show up. There's a new generation of JSA heroes that are showing up, uh, but Jeff Johns is running the show, and he is leading as hard into the comic book nature of it as he possibly can. Like he's been very upfront about that. So entirely possible that, yeah, Artemis is going to show up. Other characters are going to show up. I don't think they're going to be afraid of this stuff. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, cool. Let's go to another one over here on Crowdcast from Edward Doherty. Uh, as a vertically challenged individual, can Pete identify more with Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, who is humanish but tall, or Wicket the Ewok, who is clearly not human but very short, plus the beard now, too? <laughs> That's a great question. What yeah, Wicket coming for Ewok. you today, Pete? Yeah, yeah. Would Wicked People. the Ewok in a, a classic um, uh, blue and yellow Wolverine costume make more sense to you no, than Hugh Jackman? Okay, all right. I, and I was trying to explain this to my girlfriend. Okay, so like... That every, must have been a fun conversation. Oh, it was. So, I'm sure she was like, um, Pete, quick, please explain this to me. I have so many questions about your... Did she run into the room? Was she Wolverine? outside of the room and ran into the room? And she's like, hey, can you explain to me the difference between Wolverine and... Uh, you guys you know? were making out, again, hot and heavy. And she was like, wait, 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 Pete. Please, I need to, you to tell me, why do you think Wolverine needs to be sure? <laughs> no, Before we go any further. It was after you guys were berating me. She was like, you know, what's oh, the deal? Man. Like, seriously, Hugh, you know, Hugh Jackman is known as being a, a, a great actor. And I was like, I have no problem with his acting. He kind of looks like Wolverine. But one of the great things about Wolverine, like Puck, is his size. Okay? Yeah. Uh, everybody comments on his size in the comic book. It's a big part of who he is. That's um, a part about who he is. And so the fact that they just took that away like nothing happened 
uh, and just made him taller like he's supposed to be tall is upsetting. It's changing. It's like all of a sudden they made Cyclops a nice guy. People will be like, who is this fucking laser beam guy? This isn't the Cyclops that I know. Cyclops is supposed to be a fucking asshole. So it's one of those things where when you change a character, it can make you upset if it's not justified or not just like, well, listen, we don't want to fucking shoot every single scene of X-Men because Hugh Jackman, you know what I mean? So like uh, size does matter. And uh, so that's, a yes, right. that's a yes to the wicket then. Yes, it is. Thank you. Oh, okay, great. All right. I'm glad we got back around to that uh, question. From Bra- <laughs> question from Brandon Medina on YouTube. Do you think that people are reading different comics than they were pre pandemic? I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, comics didn't come out for a while. I certainly, like, every night to decompress, I've read something from my bookcase, which I have not been able to do or have done probably in years at this point. Just like going through all 10 volumes, well, the first 10 volumes of JSA has been such a pleasure to just go back and revisit that stuff. All the other stuff that I've been reading, just kind of like pulling out the stuff that we've been doing for the show. It's nice to, it feels less pressure, you know, to go back and revisit that stuff. So I've been enjoying it personally. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where like I have, it's pulled me out of some comics, like just what's happening in the comic or there are certain things where I was like, I don't want to fucking read about this shit right now. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to like post-apocalyptic or whatever. So I, I, I think it does. It does affect the reading habits. And also what's nice is because a lot of people have finished Netflix and stuff like that, that they're like, okay, what else is around? What else can I do? And, you know, picking up old comics and going back to that. It's nice to kind of change things up a little bit and go back to some things that kind of maybe got you passionate or started you on this whole road, you know? I also think it's because we haven't had comics. Um, I'm enjoying all comics, basically. Like we uh, <laughs> we read in the we read so many for the stack, obviously, that it's like, oh, I, I feel like I'm much more open to taking a chance on a comic where I'm like, I wouldn't normally pick this up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is from Eduardo Martinez. We mentioned this earlier, but uh, not a question, but a chance to shout out Beercat PhD for defending their dissertation, which they mentioned in the Slack. Hopefully they hear this when they listen later. Congratulations, Beercat PhD on yeah. the actual PhD. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And here's the actual question from Eduardo Martinez. Aside from Marvel and DC, are there particular publishers that you become especially attached to or excited about? If so, was there a particular strategy they pursued or niche they occupied that got you hooked? I'm wondering if any of you became especially big on Boom or Oni in the way some fans are of Marvel or DC. Yeah, I mean, for me... Uh, Images kind of like look and style, uh, you know, for a while it was like, to me, felt like very artistic focused, uh, not your typical bulky built superhero. They focus more on trying to do thicker lines, different perspectives, uh, you know, more cartoony in nature, if you will. And uh, that I was drawn to that just because we read so much Marvel and DC that it just really felt uh, like a nice refreshing break from all that. So I uh, just would naturally be kind of drawn to more image books because the stuff that they're putting out are, are rarely disappointed. So that to me was kind of like my kind of go-to in between 
Yeah, I mean, uh, what about as, you, I would say image uh, as well. Just to piggyback on Pete, like the, the fact that it's all creator owned, and they it, it you the their inter, interesting premises in the book really feel it feels like they really get to breathe. But the other answer I was going to say is back in the day, um, I really got into Ultraverse. Uh, that was a Malibu Comics uh, sort of cohesive universe line uh, before Mar- Marvel eventually took it over. And I really like that because it was so cohesive. It was so tight. Uh, the characters appearing in other books felt very deliberate. Um, there were some just great titles there. And it really, a break from the continuity-heavy Marvel and DC, it felt like a fresh place that were still telling great superhero stories. Also, uh, I think it's Arcana, is, I mean, if I'm pronouncing it right. Arcaya. Arcaya. Um, or Arcana. They're, they're two different publishers. They're both, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. Archaia um, feels like we've read more books from Archaia than Arcana. Well, there are a bunch of people that I knew who were trying to get comics made, like kind of got their break in that. Um, so that was pretty cool because they were willing to, uh, you know, take gambles on people trying to kind of get their stuff out there. And uh, it was great to see a lot of different artistic stuff being done. And I think like Mouse Guard was put out by them and stuff. So. Uh, a lot of like really cool, interesting projects that you wouldn't normally see kind of like a similar image kind of vibe, but was put through them. So I really enjoyed a lot of that stuff. Moscar. Yeah. My favorites. Yeah, that is, that's Archaia. That was one of the ones that I was going to call out is like, you just know when you're getting an Archaia book and now they're owned by boom studios, but you know, there's a certain level of quality there that you're getting that I'm willing to pick something up based on that brand alone. Uh, two things that I've talked about on the show before and one just a couple of weeks ago, but, uh, just on the Marvel versus DC bed back when I was a kid, I just needed to make a choice based on closet space because all my uh, comics were in the closet uh, to get rid of some of them. And I was like, eh, I'll just sell all my DC comics. And I think part of the reason is like, they were not, they did not hit me the same way as Chris Claremont X-Men and the Avengers books. When I was reading like under siege and everything like that, where it was like, Oh shit, this matters. This is, important this is telling a story that is a different way and a different way emotional versus a lot of the batman and superman stuff and other comics that were happening at the time that just at least for young alex felt very surface level to me probably if i went back they would hit me a little bit differently but that's that choice that i made there yes uh pete is uh what's up pete uh this is my not in my house uh no i how did that feel like selling your soul for money was that fun did you enjoy that <laughs> wow uh, were you okay selling big, your children off i sold so 600 i sold 600 dc comics for 90 bucks and for me shit. that was the most money i had ever seen and i was like oh shit this is awesome headed over to mid condition, the local comic book store and spent all of that money on comics on DC so comics. Get off your right. fucking high horse. Pete. Yeah. But how many comics did you buy? Not 600. You got just fucking one dumb. comic for $90. It was Spider-Man number one by Todd McFarlane and it was worth it. And it paid my way through college as yep. it did for everybody else. That value has only increased. Yeah. Uh, the other publisher, though, that I was uh, going to say is like when Valiant uh, relaunched in particular, yeah. like I would go to the bat for them because that was yeah, you've been superhero comics that felt they were so clear, such crisp concepts, such great characters. 
amazing creators working on it across the board and that they had a willingness to be like, here's the story. Now it's over after a certain number of issues. Now we're going to take a yeah. break and go on to the next thing. So good. Um, so very into that as well. I think as, as specifically answering that question. Uh, cool. Let's, uh, let's jump over to YouTube because we have a bunch more stuff there. Uh, this is from Scott Carpenter. What trades did Marvel and DC make to make new content like OG X-Men for teen Titans, cyborg, starfire, Raven, beast boy, and someone is nightwing. What do you think? What, what heroes should they trade? Oh, trade back and forth. Yeah. Trade back and forth. Like who should go to DC? Who should go to Marvel? Who should they trade? Wolverine and Batman trade Wolverine and Batman. Yeah. No take backs. <laughs> no take backs. Just fuck both publishers as hard as possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, interesting. Well, it makes me want to know, I want to think about what characters sort of belong in the other universe. Because mm-hmm. it does sort of uh, the style, like, like you could put Thor over in the DC universe, perhaps. Yeah. Um, very much sort of could work in that pantheon of characters. I mean, really? on the same note, this is such a weird specific thing, but like taking Hercules from the Marvel universe and transferring him over to the DC universe, mainly because whenever they bring up Hercules in any of the Wonder Woman comics, it always breaks my brain a little bit because it's like the actual mythological rapey Hercules. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this guy yeah. at all. But I like Marvin Hercules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bring the on drinking, the fun guy. Hanging out with Dama J.S. Mm-hmm. Joe Hercules. Yes, that's who I want. Uh, and who would I send over? I don't know. I'll have to think about that. Come back. Red Rover, Red Rover. Um, I think Damian Wayne could exist well in the Marvel Universe. He feels like a good uh, sort of um, darker side Spidey, Spider-Man uh, character. I could see him uh, ending up on Champions or something like that. Everybody yeah. would hate him, and he's kind of fill the same role as on Teen Titans. I don't think that's possible. That just breaks my brain thinking about this. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to wrap your head around. Yeah, uh, but it's like it's like a comic book, but just a slightly different. You know, never it's thought like about a that. Secret War is what it is. Mm. Uh, question here from Alum nine one eight: What current comic writer do you think has lost their magic? We're in desperate need of a home run series. Whoa. Wow. It was a little more negative than we usually go on the show, but guys have any thoughts? Uh, I'll throw one out just to start it off. Uh, James Robinson. Oh, that's what, that's what I was going to say, too. Uh, I was going to say too. that, but I didn't want to because I thought well, it was off. Well, we've talked about it, and also he's talked about it. In the mm-hmm. Starman Omnibuses, he talks a lot about, like, how these books felt very magical and he, he feels like his life has changed a lot and it's not, nothing's the same for him. So, um, and I I think that's reflected in his work, but maybe there's a possible reset for him coming down the line. Well, I'll, I'll mention something. I mean, this is the part of the reason this was top of mind for me is, uh, Jeff Johns brought him in to write on Stargirl and be part of the Stargirl writers room because he felt like, Starman is so important. His uh, the st- the groundwork that he laid for JSA was so important, and he's been kind of I don't know what the expression is like in the woods. I guess wandering in the woods over like he's been living in Vegas for the past couple of years and kind of writing comics, but not really writing comics. Uh, so felt like 
he'd be important. Oh, uh, for a stand-up guy uh, comments. How about a comic about James Robinson's washed up, which he wrote for Image Comics? So I yeah. get your joke, Matt. Airboy, Airboy with what it was, right? But the thing that I'll mention, without like hyping it up too much, uh, James Robinson wrote the fourth episode of Stargirl, and it is by far of the first five episodes the best episode of the show. That's great. He's a great so, writer. I just think, like you know, you it makes sense. Like when you're doing something creative, especially writing, you go through phases where it's like, Oof, uh, I don't have it right now. Anybody else? No, <laughs> no. Okay, come on. He's saying no. I, well, uh, it's weird. I don't. It's weird shitting on somebody. You know. Yeah, really. You you seem to enjoy doing it in some capacities. Yes, I know, but I. It's also somebody who has a uh, a dream job, so it's hard to be like, "Yo, that person sucks," you know. Especially because I know I haven't read all of their stuff. So, uh, question from Aris nine ten on YouTube: Why do you think creative teams, specifically writers, have had trouble making Green Arrow popular and in the spotlight for the last decade? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, uh, the TV show is just fire, and so that's it's <laughs> fine. So it can just be on TV. That's why. I think it's not having a take is part of the problem. Like I think Green Arrow worked the best when it was when it was like uh, revolutionary Green Arrow. The the yeah. guy who was like Occupy Wall Street Green Arrow, who was trying to take down the system. And they've gotten so convoluted with just people shooting arrows at each other and black canary and everything else. Like it forgets the fact that he is this outsider, you know, I I think that's part of the thing that makes him work. I mean, uh, someone in the comments says this as well. Kevin's the last big take on green arrow was Kevin Smith's right. Mm -hmm. That like sort of really hit, uh, or was it, what was the one after that was jock? Was he writing and drawing it? Hmm, maybe um, yeah yeah i remember that that was a good one too I like but it. i don't know yeah i think embracing a little bit of the it was sort like a of, year one he was doing yeah embracing a little bit of the sort of lameness of being an archer trying to like <laughs> trying to be a a do a do-gooder um i think that's where the character sort of center is unless you well, want to make a radical change what makes Hawkeye so great on uh, on Marvel? You know, they kind of really kind of made fun of that. And, you know, like when uh, Chris Samney, Hawkeye, really got popular. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is a good idea. Uh, how, what do you think about this pitch? Alum918 says, imagine if Green Arrow had a TV show in the style of Mr. Robot. That's cool. That'd be interesting. I, I like that. I love that. the idea of giving Green Arrow a TV show, like something that like really. Hey, yeah, we don't have time for your that. bullshit. So we cool. don't have time for your fucking bullshit because we, we have all the time. Arrow yeah. started this and it kept a fucking started. started sorry, what? we got another question here. We got to go to Pete. I'm sorry. Uh, we ran out of time to hear whatever you were saying. Uh, this is from Kevin. What is your favorite comic sequel or spinoff? Also, would you rather do a quiz of TV to comics or comics to TV? Ooh. Comic sequel spinoff, and also, would you rather do a comics to TV or TV to comics quiz? I think, I think the audience is setting up a quiz for us. I think that's I'm here on. for it. I love that idea. Yeah. I love a head to head to head quiz from uh, with the three of us. Um, rather, comics to TV or TV to comics? I mean, comics to TV is more fun. I think yeah. TV to comics is hard. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Probably. Um, and what was the first part of the question, Alex? Did you really just do that, Salvin? <laughs> what was the first part of your question, Alex? Come on. What is your favorite comic sequel or You're spin-off? supposed to be moderating this shit, you <laughs> fucking asshole. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, Alex. Oh, it, was, it was a lamb joke. It was a lamb joke. I'm not going to uh, repeat what it was for anybody listening to the podcast. This but. is this is not not. You're a good. fucking ridiculous. He put man. it right out there, Alex. What was the first question? Part of the question again. I already said it. I've read it several times. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're withholding it. <laughs> what is your favorite comic sequel or spitoff? Uh, great. Um, Pete, what do you think? I have no fucking idea. I just, I'm <laughs> fucking insolvent. Uh, comic sequel. I mean, uh, this is sort of spinning off uh, Starman, but the um, the Shade series that um, there were two of them actually. The four there are four issue series that was excellent, and then they did a sequel series, James Robinson, um, years later that I think was twelve issues. That was actually very good. Um, maybe the last thing he's done uh, that was I really enjoyed, and something he did that felt like he was coming back. Yeah, that's a good answer. I like that. Uh, this is from Stray Bullet. Man, we're getting really inside baseball here. Is first stand up guy cooking baseball mitts this week? If yes, what cooking method does he suggest for cooking a tender mitt? Mm-hmm. Uh, and first stand up guy responds. I didn't know you could respond to comments here on Crowdcast. Uh, please go back to the YouTube video of the first quarantine show and take a screenshot of whatever you think looks like baseball gloves. What? It was, I think we could all agree, it was a big bucket full of baseball gloves. Yeah. I love no. that this, this really bothers Nat. It seems like he feels <laughs> like his culinary expert <laughs> expertise is being shamed by whatever mitts he was cooking. Um, and I'll tell you what. I mean, I don't. I'm not saying we should invite him into the feed, especially after the conversation going on yeah, in the comments here. I don't want to invite him into the feed after. But that if shit. anything, he's brazing these mitts um, <laughs> for, with a long, a long braise. I hope he will, um, and then finish them in some. I'm to sure give him a little bit of crisp, maybe under the broiler to give him a little bit of browning on top. You can't just buy a glove and then put it on. You've got to braise it first. You know what I mean? All like, the really great just, braise their gloves. Yeah, yeah. all the greats. Great. Uh, we got another. <laughs> this is this is. I don't know if we could do all this. Uh, this is from First Hand Up Guy. Has anyone unlocked my secret quiz yet? I think the answer to that is no. Uh, First Hand Up Guy also says, "Can someone quickly explain the current Flash continuity?" Uh, sure. I uh, do. You want to do that, Justin? Do you got that? Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I can do it if you want. Yes, you know it better than I. Sure. I mean the the short version. I don't know if. Uh, this is covering everything you want to cover, but Barry Allen is the flash again. Uh, the short version is he went through a whole thing that was kind of like the lanterns, the multicolored lanterns things, except with different types of forces where there was a slow force, a, slow force, a strong force, anything that starts with an S force, that sort of thing. And he was teaming up with him. We're kind of past that now though. I assume that's going to come back at some point. Uh, and right now there's a character called paradox who literally his whole thing, he's huge Jack Thanos style dude who hates the fact that Barry Allen has been consistently fucking up the timeline and is destroying all of the timelines so that there will be nothing. His idea, his ideal is there are no timelines whatsoever. Well, he he literally feeds off paradoxes. Yeah. Right. Uh, And 
it has come down to Barry thinks the only person who could stop him is Eobard Thawne, a.k.a. the Reverse Flash. So he has recruited him to fight Paradox. That's the current issue that's out today. And then going forward, we're going to end in a couple of different storylines, one called Finish Line uh, and another one uh, called uh, Legion of Zoom, which seems to be all the different Zooms coming together to fight all the different Flashes. That's how Joshua Williams That does what it sound like, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, Question from Hollywood. Sorry, Eduardo Martinez says, sorry, Alex, but I prefer Justin's quick-talking recaps. Must be the classical (laughs) trading. Yeah. Maybe just you have to talk a little faster. That's what... uh, Okay. Yeah. Like the fla- you know, like the Flash, his whole thing. I'm sorry, is yes. Not all of us got our doctorate at Micro Machines University, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy was a, a great teacher, but really difficult person to be friends with. Man, yeah, I miss. Ooh, we got a couple of quick questions here from Hollywood Homer. Uh, favorite single issue story. I've talked about this a lot. And if you go back a couple of podcasts ago on the stack, I talked about this, you but cried uh, and cried. I did. Uh, Spider-Man Human Torch number three by Dad Slot. Great story. So sad. So good. So powerful. I love it. Uh, you guys have a... Yeah. Yusagi Ojimbo uh, uh, does a lot of uh, single issue kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I think it's mostly single issues. That yeah, it's mostly. Uh, lately, there's been some more stuff that has been kind of going. And also Jonah Hex um, and Darwin Cook did like a couple really great uh, stuff mm. with that. Um, I can't remember the exact ones, but to me, like those are great comics where like regardless of what's going on, you can kind of pick up those comics. You know exactly what you're going to get and they deliver every time. So cool. um, I'm going to shout out um, the uh, issue of this of Sandman's The World. Uh, mm, Sandman Ramadan, very good standalone issue. And there's an issue from um, Sandman The World's End. Uh, bar where a man gets lost inside of cities. I can't remember what number it is. It's like 53 or something like that. Um, and that is a great standalone issue of any comic. Um, I also give it up for a lot of the issues of Ice Cream Man, especially the Palindrome issue was a great standalone comic. Uh, cool. And two other logistical questions from Hollywood Homer. Um, one of them is why not do video for the other podcasts? I think the answer to that question is we're trying it out. Uh, you know, when we can, I think we're doing it. Yeah. This is all new. Yeah. We've never been on camera before. Any of us. Uh, no, this is great. How are you feeling? Is this, th- this is the, Oh, uh, what the fuck? Did right. You that is, I the, guess that's the camera. Okay. Um, I, I think the bright, the bright lights of fame. Suit Don't me. finger um, your camera. And, Huh. Pete, Pete, Pete. Come oh, on. is that any way for the ensemble man of the year from 2007 to talk? <laughs> that's not. That's not the well, ensemble. Poor people watching this, they got to sit there and look at Zelvin's fucking finger like that. That's weird, man. Yeah, you have to do it more deliberately, like this. Yeah. What? <laughs> Listen, you here's the exactly thing. Exactly the same way. If Tom Green can do it, I can do it. Wow, Alex got fingered. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, we're we're gonna try to do it as frequently as possible. I think mostly it comes down to schedule more than anything else. Right. Yeah. Well, and like a lot of times we're recording before something um, Mm -hmm. is ready to be talked about. So it's like, (laughs) 
smudged his little screen. Ah. <laughs> uh, and the last one, another logistical question here from Hollywood Homer. Is the Patreon the only way to listen to the backlog of the podcast? Uh, not exactly. For most of our podcasts, most of them are up on iTunes, Android, etc. cetera. Uh, for our main podcast, we've done so many episodes iTunes actually limits the amount of episodes that you can put up. I don't remember the exact number, but we can't get all of them up there. So the answer is yes for that one. That one, we have a back catalog of start. We started recording it in 2011. So we have the back catalog there going through 2019. I know it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we have all of that up there if you subscribe to the Patreon. And that's really the only way of getting it to you folks. I think the only other way though I don't think everything there is we actually do have a SoundCloud that when we were with Nerdist, they started and a bunch of the older than iTunes podcasts are there, but it doesn't have everything. So there you go. Patreon.com slash comic book club. We need to make um, transcripts of all those podcasts that we can just page through and really mm, get into them. Should we do a dramatic? I, I've been seeing a lot of people doing this since they've been in quarantine, Maybe we should do a dramatic uh, reading of one of our 2012 podcasts or something. Yo, like if we, we should find our oldest podcast and and print it, print out the dial, the exchange, transcribe it, and read it aloud. Do you want to do that next week? I, I do definitely that. do. I think we should yeah. definitely do that. Okay, absolutely. That I don't want great. to relive that. Do you know what? Well, you you might learn something about yourself. Yeah, Pete, you need to learn. It's on you to learn something. You need Stop. to learn something. Stop it. Oh, that's a great point. Uh, Pete's Punisher slippers. We should change roles. We can play each other. Ooh, yeah. Wow. That's great. And interesting. I want to be Zalbs. Nice. I also want to be Zalbs. I guess I'll be Zalbs. <laughs> that's what we used All to right. call them. Yep. And that's it for your audience questions. We're going to move on Ooh. to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Pete LePage. <laughs> First have up guy. Oh, man. It's a really... It is. You haven't explained what you're doing. Yeah, I know, but I'm just upset. That Somebody put your hand up, up in the comics. Is Pete's going to choose one of you. Pete's going to choose one of you, and one of you is going to win a gift card to Midtown Comics. Pete, yeah, before we, we got Hollywood trip. Homer here. Uh, yeah, but wait, before we jump into the trivia for Pete, I just have a quick trivia for Pete. How strong was your drink, Pete? Was it A, too strong, B, like very much too strong, or C, I need to take a nap right now? Um, oh, no, and D is um, Jennifer Garner. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but um, uh, that that was good. That's you. Kind of, yeah, that was. I see what you're doing there. Uh, <laughs> is there? I wonder what the secret. Stop with the pointing. I really wish I was in the same place with you guys because I would uh, fucking slap your us? fingers. Wait, can in I ask your... a question, Pete? I, Instead yeah. of us doing the finger pointing thing, would you rather that you're sucking on a cheesesteak? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. Uh, yes. Oh, I love Justin, that we got Don't there. laugh that hard every time. <laughs> it's very good. It gets me uh, every time. All right. So the problem is first hand up guy was first hand up. But, you know, he's 
I mean, I Why guess. Why don't you just choose Hollywood Homer? He said, All right, let's choose Hollywood Homer. Wow. No, oh, that's right. not going to go well when it comes to justice in the world. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We're going with Hollywood Homer. There you go. Wow. It's your trivia section, Pete. You can choose whoever you want. You can bring in whoever you want. Hello. Hello. Welcome, Hollywood Homer. Nice to have you. Uh, can you hear me? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Definitely. Yeah. Big fan of the podcast. Listen for years. Uh, you know, it's exciting. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks it's, awesome. it's great yeah, to have thank you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't know. You know, the whole quarantine. Thanks for doing this. You know. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, yeah man. Thank you. Uh, so Pete's going to take it away with a couple of questions. He's going to ask you questions. And uh, Pete, you want to explain the rest? Yeah, so today's trivia is on topical comic news. I'll read you a question, listen to all three possible answers, get all three questions right. $25 will be yours. Midtown gift card that you can use online. All right, here we go. Question number one. On June 23rd, they are celebrating the 80th anniversary of the first appearance of which Green Lantern? Is it A, Hal Jordan? B, Alan Scott, or C, Al Pacino. So it's either A or it's B. Uh, so uh, B, right? Yeah. B is correct. That's right. No need to overthink it. Alan Scott is correct. All right. Uh, Justin, I'm just realizing now how strong the drink is. Question number two. Uh, who will be joining Gail Simone's comic Birds of Prey, Sirens of Justice number one? Is it A, Catwoman, B, Harley Quinn, or C, Hillary Swank? So it's either A, don't pick it, or it's B. Uh, B again? Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Nice. Harley Quinn. All right. Last one. Who is writing DC's Batman the Smile Killer? Is it A, Greg Pak? B, Jeff Lemire, or C, Martin Donovan. So it's either A, or you could pick B and win $25. Third question, third B? All, uh, That's right. All, All B's, B's, baby. baby. Yeah. yeah. Woo. Thanks. Yeah. Good work. All right. <laughs> Shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com with your name, address, and phone number. You are getting a $25 gift certificate to Midtown Comics to use online. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Great for having you, man. Thanks so much, Hollywood. Stay safe out there in quarantine and everything. Yeah, keep it clean. And study Hollywood, perhaps. Yeah, there uh, we go. Yes, Yeah, so, Justin, you are correct. Uh, It is insomnia. I knew. I've been waiting a long time for you to finally get to insomnia. Oh, really well. I finally did. This is the secret Robin Williams movie that is uh, your third answers. Pete, how many more Robin Williams movies do you have at this point? Well, that's, you know, you're going to have to wait and find out. And uh, I just want to say to Nat, no offense, Nat, you've been on the show a bunch. Uh, we talk about you constantly, so that's why I wanted to go with. <laughs> oh, Homer. and you have to punish him for that fact? No, I just feel like I'm you know, disgusted. You have uh, ruined the sensitivity of the trivia, and I, I, guess, I, oh, it, I, I guess maybe Pete's more of a second hand up. Oh, guy I have. Guy. Hey, Zalvin, why don't you read out loud what you typed, you piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me about what I read. Listen, what happened to the comment You're a section? Fucking from, parent, you fucking asshole. Wow, what happened to the comment is... section from whoever 
runs the comic book club account for Crowdcast. We don't know who it is. <laughs> That's a separate thing than what's happening on the show. I don't know what sort of moonshine motor oil you were drinking, people. You got you can't do that again. <laughs> and let me be honest, I've already had this cocktail was strong. Yeah. yeah. I'm fine with my beer. And at this point, we're going to wrap up our show. First of all, thank you so much to our amazing guest, Joshua Williamson, for being on the show. Remember, check out Nailbiter Returns when it drops on Image Comics next week. Also next week, we're going to have uh, one of our fave guests here. Neil Clyde is going to be on the show. Yeah. Dark Horse Saver, so that's exciting. We mentioned this a little bit earlier, but Star Guys, our Stargirl podcast is currently running. We're putting out two episodes a week, one on Monday, one on Tuesday, right after it airs on the CW, so definitely subscribe and listen to that. Also, patreon.com slash comic book club to subscribe uh, and get some sweet bonuses for this show. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Comic Book Club live.com socially at comic book live facebook also comic book club live and uh, that's pretty much all the social stuff we're doing this every week yeah our we are podcast is going up wednesday so you can check that out but next week crowdcast youtube we hope to see you here we hope to see you in the feed these are a blast to do thank you all so much good night good night guys Thanks, congrats beard cat see you next time hello That's so creepy. You have giant creatures up there. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.